Welcome to RocketCast. We're here today, we're talking with uh, ESL tutors, Beth Cook and Lisa Hamlet, and we're going to be discussing uh, really what ESL or ELL learning looks like in a classroom. So how we can better serve our um, ESL students or ELL students in the classroom and uh, give them content in a way that helps them grow as learners. So welcome to the podcast. Thank you. We wanted to kick things off with uh, getting to know you guys a little bit. So I wanted to hear about y'all's positions, kind of how you came to be here and do what you do. Okay. Um, my name is Beth Cook, and this is my first year as ESL consultant. Um, prior to this, I was um, in an elementary school for 11 years, um, and I have a master's degree, but it is not in ESL. My experiences come from the population that I worked with primarily in that um, elementary school and build off of that, and then had the privilege this year of learning several experiences. I'm Lisa Hamlet, and this is actually my third year working with ESL, um, and I have been all over. I've been in elementary, kindergarten, but high school ESL is my um, where I've been, and um, I love working with the kids. You, you get a connection. Right. As a follow-up, I'm just curious because I think that, you know, we, we hear that Shelby County has one of the fastest growing ELL populations in the state. How do you guys service those particular students in our schools? Because I know you guys have unique positions. Mm -hmm. um, for me, I am spread out throughout the whole county. So I go to all the schools and there are 11, 12 instructional assistants, tutors throughout the district. So they are stationed at a school and I go there to support them. I get what they need. I go and observe different teachers and see um, what we are doing in the classroom, how we can help them, maybe little tweaks that can help um, to make big gains. So there are actually instructional assistants and tutors at each school that help with that population. I go to each school to help with that. And then I work with the students here at Shelby County High School. Um, in the past, I have pushed into classrooms um, to help them in 
whatever means they may need in the class. This year we are trying something different mm -hmm. where we are pulling them to my classroom. That way I can hit a number of students as opposed to just one or two that are in that classroom. But my job is not to help them with their Spanish. My job is to help them with their English. So I am not um, a uh, bilingual teacher. I have picked up a bunch of Spanish and I can talk to them to where they understand and usually they correct me and laugh at me um, but mine is more to help them with their English. Um, we One thing to follow up on that question, we have seen this year, um, especially at Shelby County and now it's gone to Collins as well, um, we had several newcomers and when I say newcomers, straight from a different country that spoke no English this year. So um, Margo has allowed the opportunity this year to have two full class periods of kind of like a newcomers academy um, I don't, classes where they come to Miss Hamlet and then also another EL teacher Mrs. Strong and they are there for her with her for two periods mm -hmm. both of them and they are working on um, English and math but they're using compass and access scores and everything like that to help develop um, the students more as well so they're not just always in a class content area class throughout the building they are actually getting services and there's 27 we have 27 class? total um, 8 through 12 mm -hmm. that are considered newcomers okay. that doesn't count our total EL population which is um, over 60 so it's a separate class yes newcomers I'll kind of piggybacking off of what you were saying earlier about pulling them into a separate area You're not in the classroom anymore um, I guess comparing that to what you saw before, uh, this is kind of a little bit of a change in terms of the question too, but um, what's something that you would like to see changed or that you, I guess you're trying to do by bringing them out of the classroom? Uh, in the classrooms for teachers that we're either doing or not doing, they'd like to see changed. One thing that I noticed, um, and it's probably part because of the kids, not necessarily the teachers, but the ELs are usually by themselves. Um, you don't see them participate too much. Um, because their English is weak or because they don't know any English, they really don't want, they're afraid. They don't want to be called on. So they kind of move themselves back. It would be great. Um, I think the biggest thing with yells is you need to get them to trust you. It takes a while to get them to trust you. Um, and I can tell you now that some of the kids when I first got here, my first year ever, like wouldn't talk to me. And now that I've got that, they'll tell me pretty much anything. So I think if teachers can build a rapport with the kids, get to know them a little bit, I think that makes a huge difference um, to make the student feel comfortable to where they don't feel afraid to answer a question. The other thing is, is that they're afraid the other kids are going to laugh at them. Mm -hmm. So that, um, and some of the kids, especially those that speak more English but maybe have an understanding or whatever issue, it's not cool to get extra help. So um, that was one of the reasons kind of pulling them out. Um, one, to be able to service more, but two, so that hopefully they'd come and get that help, they'd ask for it. Because a lot of them just don't, you know, that's not cool. I don't, I don't need that help. I don't want to be singled out. And in the classroom, when I push in, when I used to push in, and I'd go in, you could just see some of them like sulk in their chair when I'd say, "Hey, how's it going?" You know. So. 
I definitely do think trust is a huge issue and I am a former classroom teacher so when you do have a classroom of 20 to 30 students building relationship with all students is definitely a hard job to do let alone a student that doesn't even speak the same language as you um, but that trust factor factor does play in several different areas not only with their education but just being able to trust you um, enough to be able to talk about everything they had to do last night um, that are not kid roles that are adult roles roles that they had to take on so building that trust um, is definitely a huge factor um, that Miss Hamlet has done an amazing job with um, but I do uh, Another thing that I have seen this year by pulling out um, the students from the class, and I don't, I don't like the word pulling out because I feel like that separates them, but it it technically is pulling them out. But coming to Miss Hamlet instead of staying in the classroom, she has been able to service more students um, because. They can come from different classes and she can say, okay, this was what this means. Let me help you translate it and get you started and let me move on to the next one. So she is helping several different students in several different subjects um, instead of just being in one classroom and then all the other kids are in different content and not having any support. So Ms. Cook, is your role, because you go around the district, Are there have there been any classrooms where you walk in and say, they get it? Mm -hmm. when it comes to teaching this uh, population of students? I have visited more um, elementary classrooms um, than I have high school because now the other high school, Collins as well, they are coming to the EL Tutor, so I've visited more. And I think naturally an elementary classroom tends to um, suit better for a high school or for a newcomer because it's all the pictures that go along with the words just in general because in high school when we teach a new concept or a new word we may not put that picture or have that hands-on learning experience that goes along with the vocabulary word it's there's just more content and it's deeper so we don't think about that so um, I do think that some of the elementary classrooms there are there's a train coming. <laughs> if you're driving right now, that wasn't your train. <laughs> There's no train around you. Uh, um, but anyways, I do think the elementary classrooms, because of all the visuals, um, but there are definitely some project-based classrooms in the middle schools and high schools um, that our EL students are excelling in. Um, they have found the um, area the student has a talent in and tapped into that, even though they don't have the language, um, they've been able to excel with that gift. So one of our goals with this podcast is not only to, to reach teachers at this school, but mm -hmm. teachers in general, because we're always looking for ideas. So if you guys, I mean, could give any ideas out to maybe even that first year teacher, that teacher that might have just had three new students mm -hmm. move into to their classroom besides getting that relationship built with them what would be some things that you could offer to them right away that that could help them with trying to reach those students can i modify that question just yeah. a little bit um because i was thinking <clears throat> kind of the same question what can teachers do to kind of build trust too because you guys have both mentioned that i think it's pretty important and i was thinking if you know if, if i were a teacher listening i'd be wondering how do i do that in the context of my classroom how do i do that when it's like fast-paced and i'm trying to do content what would you all suggest for me, yeah. I guess because I have had a little bit more time, um, just sitting with them and, and finding out their story. Some of their stories are amazing and heart-wrenching. 
how they've gotten here, how they came over with coyotes, how their parents have lived here for years trying to get established and they've been living with grandma and grandpa or an aunt and uncle in their own country and now a coyote brings them over or um, you know something like that so I think just and I know it's hard because you have so many students but if you have that chance to just sit and and try to talk to them one-on-one -on -one, um, that is huge instead of thinking them of them as that 120 especially in high school or 30 in elementary or whatever it, if you can just you know even if it's just a little bit each day five or ten minutes to say hey how are you you know kind of a thing that's really what's worked for me those kids that put that wall up just every day talking to them hey how are you how's it going and learning their story opens them up and gets them to start trusting you I definitely think um it's like any relationship, trust is built over time. And I definitely think our EL learners can, um, they're pretty, in, uh, I don't know the right word, but they're, they can sense if you genuinely are invested or if you're just stopping by, hey, I need to give you this test or I need to do this. Um, they can tell genuineness. Um, so knowing um, your students to just stop by and say, hey, hope you had a good night, anything like that, when they start sensing, oh, he really does or she really does genuinely care about my learning. Um, but one thing I have learned through this job this year is um, time is a huge issue. And I know as a teacher, we don't always have that time. But research says that to develop the language, it takes five to seven years. So there's not a magic wand that we're gonna come in and give you and then the next day they're gonna learn English. Um, and there's probably not a magic wand that I can give you to build trust either. Um, I think we sometimes think of our EL learners as different in that way than our students, but just building trust with them is the same way as building trust with another student in your classroom. Once they know that you are invested in them genuinely, then that rapport starts building. And I think if you get them to trust you, they have to know that regardless, they can count on you. As long as you keep that, I think that's huge. And then another thing with that is, once you build that trust, you can't leave that trust without letting them know, hey, I won't be here for a couple weeks, or this is gonna happen, because then they feel like you're another person that's come into their life and then just left. Yeah. Or it brings back memories of leaving family and coming here. Um, with my role this year, I started with all the east side schools in Shelby County, and then we had a little change, and now I have all the schools. So when I was just at the east side, I was at this high school a lot, so I got to know these students really well. But then when I had the other role, I'm not here as much. So when I come in, the kids are like, where have you been? Mm -hmm. They actually remembered, and I wasn't here a lot, but they actually remembered me, and I was like, oh, I probably should have talked to them a little more about, hey, I'm gonna be gone, this is the new job, type of thing, because I felt like I was another person that had just come in, built a relationship, and then left. Oh, I think a good follow-up, because I know a little bit, having been to some of your trainings, the story about the immigration, I think it's a good transition to that, to build in that trust, because you guys have done a great job. I, I came away very impressed with how the kids have opened up to you, um, because I don't think a lot of us as teachers realize some of these the stories and some of the heartache that some of these guys have gone through. Mm -hmm. So if you don't mind, would you share, like, because I think the teachers 
would be very interested to hear about the immigration issue that we've had in this county this year. I will um, definitely try to yeah. share it. And the last yeah. time I shared it, I cried. So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I will. Not, I don't want to cry this time. I cannot believe I cried in front of you guys last time. Um, to start that whole thing, um, in January, we take the access test um, for our EL learners, and it is like their big test of the year. It tells us how well they are developing their English and everything. So we give that during January, February. Well, this year in Shelby County, we also had um, immigration come in, and they were knocking on doors throughout the night. Um, so our kids were dealing with that at night, um, whether there was going to be a knock on the door, whether the uncle was going to be taken or the aunt or the neighbors that came to the neighbors this time or they coming to us next. And then we asked them to come to school and sit down and work on a test that is extremely important to us um, about their learning that tells us. Um, but then they still have all of that to deal with. Like, are they going to go home and see their aunts or their uncles? Are the neighbors going to be gone um, when they get home as well? So we have um, one student that I particularly have worked with elementary and now is in middle school. Um, I was at an elementary school and the instructional assistant there is also close with the family. And we got a phone call that um, immigration was at the door, knocking on the door and the parents had gone out the back door and the student was underneath the bed and the mom was calling to see if we could go to the house um, or if someone could go to the house and get the student because they were leaving so they didn't get deported. Um, so the instructional assistant went to the house um, and got the student and then um, took him to school because that's where he's supposed to go because they came here for a better life. So that's where he's supposed to go. And it just so happened that same day was one of the days that he was supposed to take the access test. So you've went through all of this and he still hasn't seen his parents. He don't know, he didn't know if when they were running away, if they got caught or when they went to another house to hide, um, if he was gonna go home and see his parents. So um, just dealing with that, I um, cannot imagine going through that struggle right now and I'm 34 years old. So for a middle school student to have to endure that um, and then we come to school and we're like, this is so important, this test or this work is so important and we don't know the adult roles that they have taken on at home. Um, and that's just one of the immigration stories. There are several. Um, you had a high school student here that um, was absent for a few days and so Ms. Hamlet had told me and so I went to the neighborhood. And when I got to the neighborhood, it was like 1.30 in the afternoon, so all the kids should have been in school. But there was a group of elementary students um, that all had their backpacks on, and they were they saw me driving. And then I came back around because I got lost and didn't know where the house was. So when I came back around, they saw my car again, and I guess they assumed that I was somebody official that was coming. They all took off running to different places. And so I went to a couple of the different houses, but obviously when... I knock on the door <laughs> they're not gonna come um, but I couldn't understand the whole backpack thing I was like did they just get off the bus but then I looked and I was like it's 1:30. they didn't just get off the bus so I don't know if there were supplies in the backpack that if they did get deported or taken that they would have those um, I don't know I don't know the full story of that but we even have one instructional assistant that shared her story yesterday at central office about um, coming 
and she walked all night with her niece and nephew and she talked about walking through the desert and she had to wear a heavy jacket or her niece had to wear a heavy jacket because you're walking through bushes and thorn and all of that and the little girl was dying of heat but she had to make a choice you have to leave the jacket on otherwise you're going to have all these cuts and you're not going to be able to take care of the cuts because they literally had nothing they had no food no water or anything so for those families when they come here it's not just you're coming to school to learn we have to deal with all of those things as well and we had a student who um, got a phone call um, during rocket time one day and was just in tears she was told her mom was going to be deported and so um, between Jamie Dale and I, Jamie Dale went to the ACLU website, printed out some papers of what their rights are, and we handed those to all the students and said, here you go, this is your rights, this is what to do, because they weren't just knocking on doors. They were at Kroger's and Walmart waiting for them to come and go. They were doing roadblocks, stopping okay. cars. So they were everywhere, and so the kids and the families were just terrified. Mm -hmm. um, so we handed those out and we just told them, you know, if they come, don't open your door, I gave my phone number to all my kids and said, if you need something, if you can't get to the store, call me. Right. So it, it's it's scary for them. There were a few houses we did take some food to because they were scared <coughs> to leave. Yeah, so with all the <laughs> that we've heard about that they're facing, you know, mm -hmm. those just outside pressures, inside pressures from school, um, there are kind of two questions to kind of finish up on. Um, the first would be, what are some things we can give them? Uh, to help them be successful. So whether it's technology tools or, or strategies or something that we can do in the class, because all we can, as teachers, in that in that utility, uh, is focus on how we can assist them, you know, academically and and those side conversations building trust. Um, so how can we do that in the classroom? And I guess the second question I can be thinking about is um, how can we also, because the family is really important. Um, how can we communicate with families? to communicate, hey, we care about you in school, but also outside of school. We want to make sure we're, we're building those connections and, and doing that as well. Um, so those are the two things to finish up on. Uh, well, I think that, um, uh, and I know a lot of them like to play on their computers, especially when they're not sure, but Google Translate um, is great. Read and write is a great tool for them. Um, but Google Translate has the microphone. So if a teacher does a lot of lecture and not many notes, or even if they are doing notes, they still don't understand what that means in English. So if they turn on their Google Translate, they hit the microphone and turn it so that it picks up the teacher's voice, it will translate for them. Then they can use their phone to take a picture of that to check it out later or um, screenshot it on their Chromebook or whatever. That has helped some of the kids. Um, they even do it in my classroom, some of them that really just don't always understand what I'm saying. They use the Google Translate. Um, it's not always 100%, some of it, but they get the general gist of it. Is that, is that a real-time thing they can leave running? Like, So you're saying if a teacher's lecturing, can they leave that running and they can... It does to a point, right. and then I think it only you know lets you do so many characters, right. and then that's when they'd have to screenshot it or take a picture of it with their phone, gotcha. clear it, and let it you know keep going. Okay. So there there will be you know where they may miss a little bit or whatever, but at least that visuals are huge, mm -hmm. especially for those that are brand new that mm. really don't yeah. understand English. Visuals are great. The technology this year with having the one to one devices mm -hmm. has been a huge oh, help. Absolutely. Um, 
also with having Google Docs and everything that a lot of the teachers are putting their lesson plans or their notes or whatever and it's all housed there. Well, if that's shared with the student, which it obviously is, then they can translate that. Um, we can look at that and see what's coming up, what are they working on, and we can kind of front load that or pull out a visual that also can go with it and then we can put it right there for them in the Google Doc or whatever they need with that. So the, the technology this year has actually helped a lot more than just the paper pencil that we've had in the past. Uh, is there anything like to that end that you'd prefer that teachers would build into their lessons like well, if maybe a response on Google Docs that they can translate easily or is there anything that, that you found works particularly well um, we could do? If you can, now I know teachers share with me tests and stuff that they just absolutely can't get to Google Docs and I will translate those um, for them. Um, but anything that can go on Google Docs, they either can make a copy of it and translate it, or depending on the doc that was put on there, they can just hit the tool button and hit translate. Mm -hmm. So, and it gives them the English copy and the Spanish mm -hmm. copy, so it doesn't get rid of the English. They have mm -hmm. both at their disposal, and I always recommend my kids read both mm -hmm. so that you understand. That's pretty and there are some, um, like if you still have a textbook, like that's almost like a bad word to even say now, but if you still have that one article that's in a textbook that we don't have, um, access to it electronically. The Google Translate also has um, where you can hold over the text and if you hit the camera part on the icon it will translate that text and then you can take a screenshot of it. Um, Spanish, like she said, um, there will be some words um, that don't translate as well but the gist you can get. Um, I tried to use it, use it the other day for Chinese. It made no sense. So just know that different Languages may be different. Um, I do think that Google Translate, I did see an article that they are working on the Chinese part. Um, but um, the Spanish one definitely works, and there may be a few, like I said, of words, but not. The sp Google Translate, the camera, though, will mm -hmm. not work like if you have hand printed. It's only on typed yes. okay. text. So um, the family portion of that second yeah, yeah. question, sorry, the first part was. Right. Um, the family portion. Um, we thought by translating things and sending them home that we were like a step ahead um, and helping. Well, a lot of our families aren't literate in their own language as well or translating to other. I always say Spanish because that's our right. huge population here, but we do have other languages. Um, so we thought that, that was a huge help all by translating and sending home, but they don't necessarily. Um, they Some of the families have said the one call now in Spanish are good. Obviously, you can't do a one call now for every homework assignment or anything you do. Um, a lot of our parents do have um, internet at home and surprisingly do have email. Um, some of our families do not, so we have some families that we are emailing. But um, we also, um, Rosie at Central Office is having a night on Monday night to teach students um, and families about college and career readiness. Um, and she's doing it all in Spanish. So actually having more nights that they can come to that actually um, they can ask the questions and we've heard from them what do they actually need um, from us. So uh, that and then I don't know if you have anything is that, is family. That, that thing with Rosie, is that every Monday or is that no, just, it's the just the 21st? No, yes, just the 21st, 21st. Okay. yes. Okay. We did, um, we have talked to a couple of people at Central Office that next year we would like to start a parent academy every night. Mm. Or, not every night, sorry, <laughs> every month um, having one a month and then having a different topic. So when the parents come, they may go to a room to do a topic. So maybe healthcare or insurance or just 
Shelbyville in general. Like, here are the things that you can have in Shelbyville that are offered to you that they may not have known about. And then we can do other things with the students. So, so I would say, I, I would agree with that. Just trying to, um, you know, maybe have, like we have a Latino night where they come and learn about their PSPs. And so some of them um, talk to Miss Heckman, who also does um, one hour of ESL. So they, some of the parents went and talked to her also. So if we do that kind of a thing, having the teachers that are interested be available maybe for, you know, um, meeting with the kids, um, just you know right trying trying to get them involved it also goes back to trust though as well they they um, need to know that their student is safe and taken care of and trust the teacher and then they'll also because it is intimidating um, and I also learned this year that um, in most of the Latino cultures um, school is a government place um, so parents don't go there very often um, so here we welcome so it's different cultures also. So we have to break that barrier as well and that understanding. Well, and in, in, in some of our other countries, secondary school is like sixth grade. Mm -hmm. And so by the time they're 12 or 13, they're done. And mm -hmm. now they're putting them to work and whatever. So you even have that mindset here that, um, you know, parents are like, okay, if they haven't graduated by the time they're 18, some of them even at age 16, they're like, okay, now it's time to get a job mm -hmm. or brothers or sisters or aunts or uncles or whoever they're with so that they can, you know, earn their keep. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of a mindset also. They, they, first of all, I appreciate you guys coming. I, I, I want you to know that, that I, I've talked to Ms. Hamlet, just mm -hmm. that I really do advocate for you guys in your position, and I really think that you've been a huge asset to our school, Ms. Hamlet. Yes, and I think that it's a good job to get this out because uh -huh. I think teachers just don't know. Yeah, and it's only going to get we're only going to get a bigger population, mm -hmm. and we have to serve you know everybody and and I think teachers want to it's kind of a helpless position on both parts it's helpless on the students because they feel very intimidated mm -hmm. and at the same point though teachers might not feel like they're being intimidated they are because they feel like they're not helping them well and I guess this is another thing that for me um, there's teachers who won't send their kids to me because they feel like I cheat for the children, right. and I don't cheat for the children. But if you give me a test and they don't understand it, I will go through each problem with them if mm -hmm. that's what it takes and make them tell me the steps and make them, we'll work out the problem together. So I don't know, maybe some consider that cheating, I don't know, but that's my way of trying to help them to understand what they're doing. Um, and uh, so, but then there's other teachers who are, I think are not sure how to deal with the kids, so they send, they will always send them. Regardless, right. if they're coming to me, they need notes, they need information, I need to know what you want them to have done. But on the same token, they also need that class time. Um, they need to take those notes, they need to do those bell ringers, they need to feel like they belong to that classroom, but then come to me for that extra help, if that makes sense. Yeah. I definitely think one thing that I've learned this year is time, time, time. Um, and like I said, I know as a classroom teacher, we don't have a lot of that. Um, but they need time to process, they need time to learn, um, 
and just understand. And so the wait time is extremely important um, and just having the time to process. So um, while she was talking about the test, maybe cheating on that, or some may view that as cheating, um, that just may be the extra time that we have to be able to teach that extra concept. So going home at the end of the day, is it make or break, whether they know the difference between the layers of rocks or maybe now they just understand it um, a little better instead of getting a D on the test, maybe they can get a B on the test. Um, so just thinking at the end of the day, what do I really want from the student at this point? And modifying, I think some teachers are afraid to modify. Uh, truly, I, I think that they, because of standards and whatever, but I guess as long as they're meeting the standard in a way that is okay for the teachers, as long as they're getting the concept, if it's modified for them, and we can still get it across to them. I think that's what's important. Okay, cool. Yeah. Well, thank you very much. Yeah. Thank, thank you. Thank you guys. All right, guys, that about wraps it up. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Rocket Cast. I'm James Wampler. Hopefully, this has been one small step for thinking about your classroom that naturally leads to one giant leap in your instruction. Love blue, live gold. Here we got a roll program. Neil Armstrong reporting the Rose Pitch program, which puts Apollo 11 on a proper heading.